Hey, good morning, Victory. How you doing? Come on, let me hear ya. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And if you are visiting with us, as Brian and Betty Jo have said, uh, welcome. We'd love for you to get connected. We, we just went through a three-week series where we talked about our word for the year is greater. And, uh, and because of last, last Sunday, we kind of had to combine services and stuff because of snow. I want to take a moment and say, at the end of that service, in case you weren't here, we encourage everybody to take one of these cards and write on the card what you were hoping and praying that God would do in your life in 2024, what he would do greater in your life. And so, uh, so many people did that, and we, we came down and brought them down to the buckets, and then they're now displayed in the lobby for a couple reasons. Uh, one, because we're going to pray over them all year. Also, because it's going to keep them in front of our face and, face and expectation. Uh, and then our hope is that at the end of the year, we'll come together and praise God for all of the prayers that he answered. And so if you weren't here, um, I want to encourage you out there by the court board where they're displayed. There's blank cards and pins. So do me a favor, go out there and fill that out. Make it vague enough where you won't be putting your business uh, in the church lobby, but also make it specific enough that we'll know what to pray and you will know what you're asking God to do. Amen? I want to take a second before we get into the word, and I want to, first of all, say thank you to every person that gives financially to Victory through tithes and offerings, and I encourage those who haven't yet, who want to get into it. I try to always share what we're doing, not just in the walls, but outside. You're seeing every Sunday what we're able to do inside these four walls. Uh, but next, but, but Tuesday, February 6th, not next Tuesday, but Tuesday after, we will have a graduation right here in our house for the men of Men of Valor. Men of Valor is a ministry that we partner with. Come on, put your hands together for Men of Valor. Uh, incredible ministry that we get to partner with that provides um, kind of a, a, a discipleship process for men who are coming out of prison. They can learn, get you know, help get a, a job, uh, help get their feet back on the ground, and then be discipled into men of God. And what happens on the night is so phenomenal. We have about 100 people in here as we celebrate the men who have made uh, three-month, six-month, nine-month, and 12-month process. And it's just a great time to be able to celebrate with them. I'll preach. Our worship team will lead worship. And then we're providing dinner for them and their family. Um, uh, and so I just want to say thank you because we're able to do that because of those of you that give every, every month financially to the church that we're able to serve people in our community. Uh, and also want to encourage those of you that maybe you haven't started giving or you want to, you can do that. As the video said, you can do it with the buckets on your way out. You can do it by visiting our website, visiting our app, or of course, texting to give. Uh, I'll continue to share all that God's doing right here in this church because of you and your faithfulness. Uh, I want to real quick show you a graphic. And the reason I'm showing you this is because in this series, we're starting a brand new series called As For Me and My House, and I'm going to be talking about how to bring Christ into our homes where we, we don't come to church, experience him, and leave him at church, but he's in our homes. And I think it's important as a church that we provide resources and opportunities for you to practically be able to do this. And so uh, we got five things that are happening right now for you as a church that I just, I'm going to touch base on because I am going to mention them again at the end of the message. Uh, but in no particular order, first we've got the Bible app, that is, you can scan the QR code out in the lobby, Bible Engagement Project. This gives you opportunities for devotionals and things like that at home. We got our marriage conference, right, that Betty Jo and Brian were talking about. Uh, and then we've got our small groups that will be launching at the end of February that I encourage you all to be in. We have our Ramsey Plus, which if you've just been with us for the past month or so, we announced in November that the church paid for everybody to have a free membership in Ramsey Plus, which provides budgeting and videos and resources. So again, the QR code's out at the wall that you can scan and get that. <clears throat> and then last but not least is our youth first launching worship service that'll happen right here in this room on Wednesday, February 7th. So 
I show you all of that because I wanted you to know that whether you have students, whether you're married, whether you're looking for just your walk with the Lord, whether you're looking for finances, whatever it is, we've got a resource that's free to you to be able to help you do that, and I want to encourage you to take advantage of it. All right, if you got your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. You're going to kind of leave your finger there. I'm going to read through some verses from John. Joshua first before we jump into the message, but Matthew chapter 7 are the scriptures that I want you, is where the scriptures that I want you to remember are found. Uh, So as you're turning there, I'm going to read to you a couple, I don't know, a couple months ago, I started studying the book of Joshua, and just things started really sticking out to me, and I kind of was processing, and as you'll hear me say, praying through where I feel like we are as individuals, and the Lord just really started showing me some things, and this is the verse that we, or verses that we are building this series off of. Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 says this, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. So fear God. We talked months ago about having a healthy fear of God, kind of an awe, A-W-E of God, and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods that your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. This was important because back in that day, not too much different than today, there were a lot of false gods that people were worshipping. And then he goes on to say, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. He says, whether it's the gods, your ancestors that served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites, he's, he's saying, look, don't be lukewarm. Don't, don't have one foot in and one foot out. Like, either choose to follow God or choose not to follow God, but make up your mind. And then he goes to say something that you've probably seen crocheted on grandma's pillow or on a picture in Hobby Lobby, but there's so much depth to what he's about to say, and this is what's built our series. He says, but as for me, Joshua, and my household... We will serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. need y'all to be a little bit more excited about that as we move forward. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. This is what we're going to do. We've made up our mind. And so I want to talk to you this morning from this idea, help is here. Help is here. I recently read a book called Taking Back Your Family, written by, the author's name is Jefferson Bleak. And he co-authored with another guy, and they talked through kind of the cultural development and shifts in the idea of the modern family. He talked about the change that happened with the Industrial Revolution, talked about how before that, families got to be around each other and kind of see what each other were doing, and kids got to watch their dad and see what they were doing and be together and work out in the farm together. And then the Industrial Revolution happens, and now the dad is leaving the home and going away to a factory, and that's changing the family culture. And then, of course, culture shifted more, and now the mom goes and works. And so he just kind of talks through the change of the family dynamic. He went on to say that for most of us, this idea of the modern family has failed us. He said in our culture today, we're seeing where U.S. families are less educated. U.S. families are, uh, they have less financial stability. They have less time to spend with their kids. He went on to say that divorce rate is up and addiction rate is up. Um, He went on to say that, you know, anxiety and depression are at their highest and then he had an article I thought was interesting where he really brought out, and I think a lot of you, especially those who have young kids, you'll, you'll be able to relate to this. He brought up how difficult it is for American families financially in our culture today simply because of the cost of childcare. 
And he talked about how a lot of families, like, they, they want, you know, a, a two-income household so that they can live, but it doesn't make a lot of sense for the wife to go get a job because the job she would have, the amount of money she would make, she'd have to turn around and pay for childcare. And so he's just giving, you know, kind of where we are as a society and a culture. I'm going to share more statistics as the series goes. But he's just letting us know that, you know, where we used to be with the modern family, we're not anymore. That, that culture has shifted, and, and for a lot of us, we're struggling. And I had this thought that our first ministry should be our home, right? Amen. Our first ministry should be our home. But if we're honest, due to the crazy pace that we live and the amount of stress that we experience and this shift of culture, the most challenging place for us to live out Christianity is in our home. We'll find out that, honestly, it's easier to live out Christ-like uh, uh, you know, a Christ-life attitude and Christ-like mindset in the marketplace than it is in our own home. And, and here's why. And I, I think there's a part of it that can be healthy because there's a part of it where our home is our safe place and our home is our rest place. But because of that, watch this, we come home and, and they get all of, they get the, the, the brunt of it, right? They, they, get, they get all of the negativity and, and all of the remarks and, and our anger is highest in our home. And watch this, we take the filter off of our mouth in our home. And in this environment where we're supposed to be setting the tone and it's supposed to be Christ-like, it's actually one of the least Christ-like environments we're in because, again, we feel like we can just kind of let it go. It's funny, I talk about all the time how uh, we'll let our kids go and spend time with somebody, and then they'll bring them back and they'll be like, you know, they're angels, I'm like, whose kids did you take with you? Because you didn't take my kids. <laughs> you know, and I'm just learning that they're, they're, they're acting different, right? Away from our home than they are in our And again, there, there is some good to that because they feel safe and they feel comfortable and they can be them, their real selves. But at the same time, what's happening is over time, because of pace and because of stress and because of the shift of culture, we're pulling back kind of what should be our number one priority and therefore it's weakening and there is not, Christ, not really a Christ-centered attitude at our home. Let me say it like this. Our homes are hurting because we have too many worlds to manage. I was talking with a young lady after the first service, and we were walking through this statement, and I was just saying, listen to this. No matter who you are, if you are a student in here, if you are a young adult who's out of school and you're, you're either in college or prepping for college, if you are young married, if you have been married for a season, if you're divorced, if you're single, uh, if you have kids, if you don't have kids, if you have young kids, if you're taking care of your parents, watch this. No matter what season of life that you are in, you have too many worlds to manage. I'll just give you some examples. We're out here, we're trying to manage our financial life. Right? So we're trying to pay our bills. At the same time, we're trying to save money because Dave Ramsey says save money. And we're trying to tithe and give offerings because we know what God's doing through the church. And uh, we're trying to save and put money aside for vacation. And we're trying to figure out kids' schooling. And we got all of these worlds in just the financial compartment. And then, and then all of us, we're trying to manage all these worlds relationally, and we've got, you know, romantic relationships, and we've got friendships, and we've got parents, and we've got siblings, and we've got kids, and we've got church friends, and work relationships, and we're, we're trying to manage all of those worlds. And, you know, and then we've got a career, right? And we're trying to manage our job, and we're trying to manage, you know, our dreams, and maybe our ministry, and what we like to do on the weekends. And we just have way too many worlds to manage. We're trying to manage our kids' worlds on top of trying to manage our worlds. It's just... It, there's just too many worlds to manage. <laughs> I'm losing my mind up here. 
And, you know, here's Joshua saying, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I think we would all, like Joshua, would like the Lord to lead our homes. But there's so much happening, so much going on that we would step back and go, honestly, Joshua, what, what does that look like? What does it look like for God to lead my home? How do I do it? I remember when I got saved and I started deciding I wanted to be in ministry, I knew I never wanted to preach a message that would leave you with all of this hope, but you would walk out with no practical steps. And it's one thing to get up here and preach to you, the Lord needs to be the leader of your household. And you go, great, I agree. How? What does that look like? I was reading Joshua and studying this thought, and it just so happened I was around a lot of young couples in our church who are all having babies, or they just had their first baby. And I'm hearing them, and I step back, and the Lord brought to my thought, I said, man, they're in a season they've never been in before. And I remember that. And then I found myself in marriage counseling meetings and premarital counseling meetings and at, at weddings and, and planning weddings. And I stepped back and I said, man, there's a lot of people in our church who they're about to get married and they've never been in this season before. And then I would sit in meetings with people in our church who now they're moving into a season of life where they're taking care of their parents. And I went, man, they're entering into a season they've never been in before. And the Spirit of God started showing me as I stepped back, watch this, that every person in this room is in a season that you've never been in before. If you're a student, you're going into a new grade. Maybe you're getting ready to graduate. If you're out of college, maybe you're starting a career. Maybe you're starting a relationship. Maybe you're going to move out on your own. Right? If you're married, then maybe you're freshly married. Maybe you're freshly divorced. Maybe you're getting married for the second time. Like everybody, I guarantee you, as you pick people out and you ask them, everybody is in a season that we have never been in before. So watch this. Here we are hearing Joshua say, the Lord needs to be the leader of your household. And you go, I agree. I think you're right. He should be. However, I'm in a season I've never been in before. And so not only do I not know how to, make, how to let God lead my life, I certainly don't know how to let him lead a life that I've never been in before. How do I do this? What's the process? So I want to show you Joshua chapter 3. I'm going to read a couple of verses to you. And I was reading this in my, in my normal study time, and the Spirit of God just jumped off the page for me, and I just knew this was medicine that our church needs. So to give you context, Joshua was leading God's people and army, and they would go into places and, and take over the place and take the loot, and you know, they just continue to have victory after victory after victory, and they're getting ready to go uh, you know, take over another piece of land, and they've rested and camped on the other side of the Jordan River. That's where we pick up. It says, early in the morning, Joshua and all of the Israelites set out from Shittim. That's the word in the Bible. Don't judge me. And he went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. Now, theologians will tell you that it was, it was flooding season. So as they're camped out on the other side of Jordan, this will be important towards the end of the message, the water is raging and it's rising, okay? It's not low to where they can feel hopeful and say, man, we're going to be able to step over this thing. It is high and it is raging waters. So they're already thinking, how am I going to do this? 
So it says, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. Watch this. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God. Now, let me take a break here for a second. I'm going to explain this more in details as the series goes. But the ark of the covenant was, imagine kind of a toy chest that they had. And inside of it were a couple of biblical items. And they believed that that's where the, and it was, where the presence of God was. So where it went, it was like literally the presence of God leading. Now, we now have the Holy Spirit inside of us. So we don't need that anymore. But that would be their Holy Spirit leading, all right? So that's what they say. So watch. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions, get out of your camp, and what? Follow it. Now watch this. Then, once you follow it, then you will know which way to go. And then watch this. Since you have never been this way before. Wow. When you are entering into a place that you have never been before and you don't know what to do, you let God lead. You put God in front and you follow. And when you follow, when you follow, you will know which way to go because he will be leading. And so when he goes right, you will know to go right. And when he goes left, you will know to go left because you have never been here before. It's great, Troy, but I still don't quite know how to do that. You're saying let God lead, but I don't know how to let God lead. Inside the Ark of the Covenant were a couple of biblical items, and the more I studied this, the more I realized that there's kind of a symbolism in the things that are in the Ark of the Covenant that we can actually use as points to that which will help us know how to let God lead our lives, okay? So over in, in the, every, one of these series, every one of these weeks, I'm going to pull a different thing out of that Ark of the Covenant, and we're going to see what it means for our lives. Number one is this. We're going to talk about the tables of the tablets of the law. Tablets of the law, Mo, you know, the law that Moses had, the tablets are in the Ark of the Covenant, and they symbolized the Word of God. So these tablets, they're in the Ark of the Covenant, and they are a representation of the Word of God. Now, for us today, being the Bible. God has given you and I a big blueprint for healthy, productive, and fulfilling lives. Let me say it again. God has given you and I a big blueprint, a blueprint that has 66 books in it, all right? That if you get the classic version, it's like this big, you know what I mean? Like he can hold down a coffee table. He has given us a big blueprint to have healthy, productive, fulfilling lives. Watch this. And in that blueprint, which is the Bible, there are little smaller blueprints for every aspect of living. Inside our Bible are little blueprints. Watch this. How to live healthy financially. Inside our Bible are little blueprints on how you and I can have a healthy marriage. Inside our Bible are little blueprints on how you and I can live in a healthy mental state. Inside our Bible are little blueprints on how you and I can make decisions. Inside our Bible are little blueprints on how you and I can parent. God already gave us a big blueprint, which inside of it are smaller blueprints. And if we will search the big blueprint, we will discover the small blueprints. And the small blueprints will help us live a, a healthy, fulfilling, productive life. Now, here's the problem. In our culture today, we are often taught to use different things as blueprints. Instead of the Bible being the blueprint for our lives, we are taught to use things like popular opinion, 
emotions and our traditions. In our culture, when we step out and go, you know, I want to have a healthy marriage. I want to have healthy finances. I want to be a good mom. I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good spouse. I want to have healthy relationships. I want to graduate high school and figure out what I want to do with my life. I want to have healthy friendships. I want to be in a good place mentally. We look for blueprints, and culture and our world and our enemy says, here's some blueprints you can use. Popular opinion, what are people saying? Right? I want to be in a good place financially. Well, what does TikTok say? Go film a 30-second video real quick of you and what you had for dinner, and you'll be rich. <laughs> oh, watch it. I want a healthy marriage. Well, what does Instagram say? Well, what's the popular opinion? What do the Kardashians say? You know, it's like, well, it's whatever popular opinion is, what is it? Or watch this. If you want one of the things, what do, what do your emotions say? How do you feel? I mean, you want to be healthy in that department? Well, what do your feelings say? Or what are your traditions? What mom and dad do? What grandma and grandpa do? What you used to do, right? And so the world has given out all of these alternative blueprints for you and I to use. And we go, I want a healthy marriage. Well, what does culture say? I want a healthy marriage. Well, what do you feel? I want a healthy marriage. Well, what what did they used to do? What was traditions? I want to be healthy financially. Well, how do you feel, right? What did mom and dad do? But here's the problem with those blueprints. Are you ready? Popular opinions change. Emotions lie. And traditions grow stale. You can't build anything healthy off popular opinions because they're constantly changing. What's popular today wasn't popular tomorrow. And what's popular tomorrow won't be popular the day after. It's constantly changing. So you can't build anything consistently healthy off of something that's always changing. You also can't build anything healthy off how you feel. Because how you feel today, you'll feel different tomorrow. Feelings are great indicators. They're terrible leaders. And so you can be in a moment where you feel something and it helps you, but you can't let the emotion lead because your emotions are dictated and changed by your circumstances. So right now you might feel joyful. Tomorrow you might not. And so you can't build healthy relationships off how you feel, right? We also can't build them off traditions because the way grandma and grandpa used to do it ain't how we can do it in 2024. So we have to be mindful of that, that when it comes to the area of our life where we want to see health in, we need to ask ourselves, is God leading? Well, how does God lead, Troy? By making sure that the blueprint for your life is the word of God. Y'all familiar with the Leaning Tower of Pisa? This is it coming up behind me. This is in Italy, and it is famous. It's one, it's one of the, one of, it's an infamous structure for you to go see and take pictures on because of the fact that it leans. People love the idea that it leans, so people will go and visit it. They actually say that you, you need to get as much advance notice if you're going to go visit this because it's so popular because people, number one reason people like to visit it is they like to go up and kind of get like this where it looks like they're holding it up and take a picture for Instagram. That's what makes it so popular. But here's what's interesting about that tower. When the people set out to build it, it wasn't until they got to the third column that they stepped back and realized, this thing's crooked. <laughs> They had built three columns, and they stepped back and went, oh, man, this thing is leaning. And so they then approached it the way that you and I approach situations that don't go the way we thought they were going to go, and we don't know what to do. They said, ah, we'll let somebody else finish it. And so they stopped working on it. 
And for almost 100 years later, a new group came in, and they started working on it. And they started building it, building it, building it, and they were ch making changes and edits to all the different things. They were adding more marble on this side, and, da -da. and then they stepped back and went, it's still crooked. And so they did what the other group did. They said, ah, let somebody else fix it. And almost another 100 years later, a new group came in, and then they finished building what we see today. And yet it is still currently leaning. And it wasn't until recently that they started adding a little bit more uh, padding and stuff to the actual foundation of it because they obviously realized that the problem was not the structure itself. The problem was not the paneling on the outside. It wasn't even the inside structure. The problem was the foundation. That the foundation it was on was, was weak. It was not made. They did not check to make sure that it could hold this kind of structure. So as they built it, it kind of leaned in to that. And so they came in and they dug some stuff out around the foundation and they built up a little bit more of the foundation. Here's what they said. You can see this online. They said they expect it to stay up for 200 years as long as there's not a hurricane or a storm to blow it over. You feel confident about that? Just make sure it's not rainy when you go to take your picture, right? <laughs> I, I tell you that because so many of us approach our life this way, right? We walk in and we start to build our life. We build, we're, we're adulting and we're figuring out marriage and parenting and a career and finances, and we start to build it, and we step back and we see, oh, this thing is straight. So something's off a little bit. It's leaning a little bit. And the temptation is to go, ah, somebody will figure it out. And watch this. We come back years later start to try to work on it again. But we never address the foundation. We just keep dressing it up. Well, well, maybe if I make this side a little bit shorter and I add some tiles, why, then it'll kind of even out. You know what I mean? And, and watch this. And to the, to the eye, it'll look good, but we'll all know it's not safe. It, it'll look right to those who come to visit it, but we will all know that if just one blow comes its way, it's all come tumbling down. We don't want to address the foundation. We just want to keep building it up. And so years go by, and we come back to it, and we try to work on it some more. And we keep saying, oh, I'll figure it out. Ah, we'll figure it out. I just need to get a little bit older. I just need to find the right person. I just need a better job. And we keep trying to find ways to build it, and we never address the foundation. The problem is not the structure in which we are building. The problem is the foundation in which we are building it on. So I ask you this. What is the foundation of your home? What is the foundation of your life? What makes decisions? If you and your family, your spouse, your kids, if you all arrive at a 50-50, what makes the decision? Is it popular opinion? Is it how you feel? What sets the standard in your home? Is it tradition? What creates culture? See, when the word of God is the foundation of our home, the word of God decides decisions. The word of God sets the standard. The word of God creates the culture in our home. So I ask you, this is a great moment for you and I to self-reflect and go, what is 
is the foundation of our home. Because listen, we owned a house in Memphis. We rent a house, a townhouse now here. So, so I've been in some type of housing on my own for 20 plus years, okay? 20 plus years, guys, what I'm going on. Never once I have mowed the grass. I have painted the exterior and the interior. I have, you know, helped. With, I actually laid floor in our house in Memphis. Somebody could have died. We're not really sure. But, but I, like, I, I have done so much. I have never once in 20 years of living on my own, I have never walked around and went, man, look at that foundation. <laughs> never once. Because nobody, nobody pays any attention to the foundation. Right? Number one, the foundation's hidden. It's not attractive. It's not cool. I can't go to Hobby Lobby and pick out foundation. You know what I mean? Like, I can go there and get pictures for the walls and plants and all this cool stuff and, and dress it up. But yet the foundation is the most important part. And what we're doing, y'all, if we're not careful, is we will allow a culture and a way of life to shape us where we are vacuuming the carpets and we are painting the walls and we are hanging new pictures and the entire time our foundation is weak and the moment a little bit of wind comes, it will come crashing down. If we're not careful, our marriages will look great on the outside and be weak on the inside. If we're not careful, our financial state will look great because of credit cards. But the moment a little bit of an unexpected bill blows in, we're done. What I'm asking us to do is to make the foundation of our home, the foundation of our life, the foundation of those of us who are married, our marriage. For those of us that have kids, our kids. For, make the foundation of our finances, of our jobs, of our careers. Make that foundation the word of God. Every time I get ready to prep a sermon, I get all the research I can get. I'll get books and articles and YouTube clips, and I just try to get in as much information as I can. I want to see different perspectives and thoughts and came time to start prepping for this series, I kept looking for books with this idea of building your life on the found, on, with the Word of God as the foundation. It's a pretty, pretty simple title, right? And I was looking, I, I couldn't find it. I think I might actually write it, is what I think I might do. I might write a book, you know, about the foundations, uh, or building your life on the foundation of the Word of God. So I go to Darla about it, and I'm like, this is crazy, I, I can't find, because I could find books that were specific, you know, like, like, Raising your kids with the word of God. It's like, yeah, but not everybody has kids. So, so give me something kind of generic just about building my life on the word of God. And I was talking to Darla about it. And she said, you know what, babe? I think one of the reasons might be is because we make it really difficult. But maybe it's, maybe it's kind of simple. And she said, maybe it's so simple that we can't really write a book on it. And the more we process it, you know, I, I think you're right. Because here's what it means to build our life on the word of God. You ready? Read it, believe it, apply it. You can't write a book with three chapters. <laughs> well, I'm going to, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to be real simple, real basic. You know, chapter one, read your Bible, right? There's your sentence, read your Bible. Chapter two, uh, believe it, little sentence, believe your Bible. Chapter three, apply it, little sentence, apply your Bible. Like, that's going to be the whole book. Read it, believe it, apply it. But I think sometimes we make this more difficult than it has to be. 
I think we want some kind of theological answer. We want some kind of, you know, one, two, three, you know, PlayStation, X, Y, Z, Z, triangle, over, over, left, right, right, and then all of a sudden it's fixed. And God's saying, read my Bible, believe what you read, apply what you believe, and then watch this. You will begin to build your life on the foundation that is the word of God. So down to Matthew chapter 7, where I originally started this whole sermon at. I want you to look at verse 24. We're going to read about three or four verses. Jesus is getting ready to tell a parable. He would often speak in parables in the New Testament. It would be the same thing as me using a story to illustrate a sermon point. Watch what Jesus says. Please lean into this. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now watch this. The rain came down. Streams rose. Winds blew. And they beat against the house. Yet, it did not fall because its foundation was built on the rock. Isn't that incredible? Do you notice it didn't say, if the storm comes? What I love about the Spirit of God is he never once tried to make us think that because you're doing this, you won't experience anything. He said, when it comes. Because listen, when you're in a relationship, there's going to be hard times. When you're dealing with finances, there's going to be moments where you think you don't have enough. When you're trying to raise kids, there's going to be, I'm sitting in a room a couple weeks ago with two of the most precious parents I've ever seen, and their prayer request was, uh, we're worried that we're not raising our kid right. I'm like, are you kidding me? Look at some of these jokers we got out here. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's going to happen. There's going to be moments of doubt, moments of worry, and moments of concern and fear, and there's going to be hardship and anger and weak moments and fights. But God says, if you will build it on the rock, if you will build it on the Word of God, when the rain comes, and when the wind comes, and when the storm comes, and when the waters raise, and when the wind blows, and when it beats on the house, it will stand. It will take a beating, but it will stand because it's built on the rock. But then Jesus keeps going. Watch this. He says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, it's like a foolish man who built their house on sand. And the rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew, and it beat. but then it fell with a great crash. Jesus tells this story about two builders, both with the talent to build, the passion to build, the resource to build. And then he talks about a storm that's guaranteed to come, that's inevitable. And he says, one of those houses that was built, it's still standing. 
And one of those houses that were built, it's crashed. And the only difference was the foundation in which it was built on. Here's what I'm trying to tell you, church. But there's going to be a time when hardship comes. But your testimony will be, I'm still standing. And the only difference between you and the person who's not, your marriage and the person who's not, your finances and the persons who's not, your kids and the persons who's not, the only difference between us who are standing and those who are not will be the fact that ours was built on the word of God. You know, it's funny, my dad, he lives in Panama City. And when you live in Panama City, you, you, you have to know when you move there that you have to expect hurricanes and storms to come. It's just part of the game. So your insurance works it out. It's a whole deal. And there's something wrong with my dad, y'all. He's, he's a little bit of a lunatic. All right? I have to be able to explain this to you. He's, he enjoys storms. So when we were in Memphis and we were living together, you know, there would be a tornado warning or something coming through, and they'd come on the news, and they'd say, you know, get in your bathtub or get in the doorway. And, all that. and my dad would walk over to the front door, open the front door, and go and sit on the couch and watch it. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, it's just fun to watch. Now here he is in Panama City, and when the storms start raging, he goes on his front porch, got his little cup of coffee, just ready to watch the storm because he's a lunatic. Y'all, he's a lunatic. There was a storm a couple years ago coming to his house, and they were threatening that it was going to be really disastrous. And my mom and my sister were reaching out to him. They're going, you got to get out. You got to get out. You got to get out. He's like, no, I want to see it. I'm like, you're a lunatic. And he's like, get out, get out, get out. Luckily, he got out, and it sent a tree straight through his trailer, cut it in half. Now, I tell you that to tell you this. I don't think that any of us are ever going to like storms. I, I, I don't, I'm not asking God to get me to a place where I enjoy hardship but I don't have to fear it. I can get to a place to where my life is built on the word of God, that it is built on the infallible truth that comes from the Holy Spirit through man, from God to me, that is truth right there, how to build my life in a healthy way. Listen, I got two prophetic words for you that I never felt, I hadn't felt this strong about two statements in a long time. All right, here's the first one. You ready? We have been taught to brace for emergency rather than build for eternity. This is what we've been taught. That instead of building something healthy for long-term gain, to just be prepared to brace it when there's an emergency. Let me give you what I mean. In Panama City, because these people, they experience it so much in their shed. They got sandbags, and they got plywood, and they got cinder blocks. And when all of a sudden they come on the news and like, there's a storm coming, they run to that shed, and they start throwing sandbags out in front of their house, and they start nailing up plywood, and they are bracing for an emergency. Dead honest truth, there are trailers with plywood and sandbag. They're not attached to anything. You're going to see a trailer in the air with plywood, ready to go. <laughs> Listen, what, what we're being taught, y'all, is that Scripture is to be treated like sandbags and that when we're in a moment of emergency, just run and get the Bible. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. John 3, 16. Philippians 4, 18. And just throw it and brace for emergency. 
Now listen, the word never returns void. It is a, it is a, a piercing sword. It will work. But that wasn't God's intention. He doesn't want you to run and just try to hurry up and, and nail up some scripture real quick when emergency's happening. He's saying, no, read it, believe it, apply it, and build a foundation now so that when everybody's running, trying to hurry up and brace their house in a storm, you're standing with confidence. Because you don't read scripture to brace, you read scripture to build. I just felt the Spirit of God tell me, when, you, when you've done that, you can invite those that are running into your home. Hey, hey, bring your marriage in here. Bring your financial situation. Let me, let me teach you how I built this thing. My heart, my heart jumps out of my body for you. Because you've been handed a blueprint that will set you up for a fulfilling life. We're being taught, just use it when you need it. Just throw it out when the wind's coming. And sometimes, sometimes we get caught in the process, right? Sometimes we're still in the middle of trying to put out sandbags and the storm hits. And some of us, you're in here right now, and that storm has hit, and it has crashed, and you're not really sure what to do. I'm telling you right now, the Spirit of God is telling us as a church, He's telling me so heavy in my heart, do not brace for emergency, build for eternity. When I was youth pastoring in Memphis, we would have these altar calls at the end of our service, and I remember this kid, he would come down and He'd be praying. He came down just about every night. He'd be weeping and crying and praying. And at some point, his father started coming into the service and getting him right off the altar. He, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't even get his knee down, and his dad would take him out and something. And after about three or four weeks of this happening, I got kind of frustrated, and so I called his dad and lobby. I said, hey, what, what are you doing? He said, oh, he's got a game he's got to get to. I said, okay. As time went, there were Wednesday nights where he didn't come at all because he had a game he had to get to. Years go by. I hadn't seen this kid. I, we were out of youth ministry. All of a sudden, my phone rings, and it's the dad, and I answered. I said, yeah, say his name. I'm not going to say it now because he might listen to this podcast. And he says, uh, I need your help. I said, what do you need my help with? He says, my son said something had happened in his life that was pretty tragic, and he had totally turned his back on God. I said, what do you want me to do? He said, I need you to pray for him. I need you to sit down with him. I need you to take him over scripture. I said, oh. I didn't say this, but if, I didn't, if the Spirit of God would have gave me this then, I would have said, I said, look, you're trying to brace for emergency when you should have been building for eternity. This is our moment. Here's what I love about the Spirit of God. It's never too late. It's never too late. Doesn't matter how broken your relationship is. It doesn't matter how far your debt is. It doesn't matter how hurt you are. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. It's never too late. You can start building today. Or you can walk out of here and keep bracing for emergency. But I'm telling you right now that when God gave us his word, he said if you will do it and apply it, when the storm comes, when the rain comes, when the water rises, when the wind beats, you will not fall. So watch this, you ready? We get to decide 
our homes can either be in Christ or in crisis. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, I pray right now, just, oh, do what only you can do in this place. Your Holy Spirit, so alive. I want to tell you real quick that you and I get to make a decision today. Whether you're a student, whether you're a young adult, whether you're married, not married, kids, no kids, single, divorced, you get to make a decision today. And here's the decision. My home will either be in Christ or in crisis. See, I picture there's two people in the room. One is the individual where the word of God right now is just piercing your heart and you know that's you, that's you. And you know you can walk out of here today and you can start that. I, I told you at the beginning of the service, we're doing all we can to give you resources for that. If you're married in here, you should be at the marriage conference. If you've got a student, they should be at the youth service. Every person in this room should be doing Ramsey Plus. Every person in this room should be in a small group. These are resources for you to be able to start building your life on the Word of God. So back to the two people in the room. One are the individuals who realize I can start today. When I walk out of here, I'm going to do it. I'm done trying to brace for emergency. I'm going to start reading it, believing it, and applying it to my life. And then here's the other person. That storm already came. That house has already crashed. And you're not really sure what to do. I would tell you that he's still a redeemer. He's still a healer. He's still a provider. He's still a protector. And it doesn't matter where you are or how broken you feel or how ruined it is. If you give it to God, he will begin to rebuild it. And this time you can build it on good foundation. Everybody close your eyes right now. Prayer team, I'm going to ask you to come down front. Spirit of God in this place, for people in this room that need you, that need you, for those who just want to have a fresh start today, for those who want to start building their life on your word, Lord, let it be a moment of action today. Let it be a moment of response today. For the individuals in here who the storm came, the wind came, the water rose, and the wind beat, and their house came falling down. And Father, what they need is a redeemer, a protector, a provider, a healer in this place. I pray it would be that right now. If that's you, come on, come down right now. Do me a favor. If you're in this place and you need prayer, just come. Come, 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 come. Come, come, come. No matter where you are, no matter what you're experiencing, no matter what season of life you're in, do not leave this place without the opportunity for God to start bringing redemption. God, start bringing healing. Come on, don't miss it. Don't miss it. 